This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Well, we're about halfway through Lent. That six-week time between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday um, that reminds us of the 40 days and 40 nights that the Israelites wandered in their wilderness. It reminds us of our sins, the forgiveness of sins, of Jesus' story, and gives us an opportunity to prepare, to prepare for the glorious Easter Sunday. We remember the story of God, and we remember Jesus' life, and how he lived in the power of his death and resurrection. For these six weeks across this campus and the other campuses of Apex United Methodist Church, small groups and studies and Lenten lunches and even youth are studying the creed by Adam Hamilton in an effort to prepare us for Easter Sunday and to help us travel through the Apostles' Creed, that that ancient statement of our beliefs. And so for the past two or three Sundays, we have talked about what it means to believe. We've talked about what it means to believe in God the Father and God the Son and Jesus Christ. And now this morning, we end the Trinity, the three faces of God, by considering the Holy Spirit. As we have in Sundays past during Lent, we're going to answer three questions. What do we believe about the Holy Spirit? Why do we believe it? And why does it matter? Christians, because they should, turn to Scripture for answers to important questions. So this morning, again, we're going to do that. The Apostle John, who we'll be reading from this morning, knew Jesus perhaps better than all the other disciples. He begins his record of Jesus' life not with Jesus' birth story, but by proclaiming that Jesus was with God from the very beginning of time. If you look at the very first part of of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So God the Father and God the Son, together from the beginning of time, John also records that Jesus' disciples, when his um, time on earth was ending, that at that time, John was there too because he was one of the disciples. And because John was there, we can know that what he speaks in the Bible is true. Jesus tells us that Jesus, uh, John tells us that Jesus comforted his disciples as he told them that he would be leaving them. And a little bit before what we're going to read this morning, he said to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in me. I'm going to the Father but I'll prepare a place for you when I get there and I will come again and receive you unto myself. I will take you with me. So then beginning with chapter 14, verse 15, we read. If you love me, he tells his disciples, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another advocate to be with you forever, 
This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides in you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned, and I am coming to you, and in a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is from the Father who sent me. And then Jesus said, I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send you in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jesus promised his disciples the Holy Spirit would come after he ascended into heaven. But what is the Holy Spirit? How did it get here? And what will it do? We need to look no farther than the very first verse of the first chapter of the Bible. Genesis 1.1 reads, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, Now the earth was formless and empty, darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Some translations say a wind from God swept over the whole earth. A few years ago, my sister and I went down to Newburn, where my brother was living at the time, to see a little play during Lent season. It was called The Promise. At the very beginning of that play, there was complete darkness and complete silence in the whole auditorium that was filled with people. And very suddenly and slowly, a screen that was dark in the beginning began very gently to show just a dim light And the first thing that we saw was just darkness, but then a little bit of waves, and you could make out that it was an ocean, and then you heard the wind stirring it up, stirring it up. It was such a beautiful way to speak of the creation story and how the Holy Spirit was indeed first there. There was a time after that in the Bible when we read throughout the Old Testament the stories of how the Holy Spirit spoke through leaders and prophets 
and how he not only equipped them, but through him gave the message of God to the people. And there were many people in the Bible that we read about, like David and Samuel and Ezekiel, who felt that they were unfit to speak the word of God. And yet God worked through them and sent his Holy Spirit through them. I think it was David who said, the words of the Lord are on my, in my mouth and on my tongue. And so over and over again, we see the Holy Spirit not only in Genesis, but throughout the Old Testament, beginning to work through the leaders. And then in the New Testament, it wasn't just the leaders anymore. It was every single person who knew God and who wanted to know Christ. You remember this very young woman who was appear, who had angels appear to her and the Holy Spirit spoke through them and told, him, told her that she would conceive a child and that he would be the son of God. And then the angels appeared to her fiancé and said, don't be afraid, you are going to, your wife is going to um, be the mother of Jesus. And then on and on through the New Testament when Jesus grew up and began his ministry and appointed not leaders, not kings, not prophets, but uneducated, simple, burly fishermen to be his disciples. And then he appeared to a man named Saul who had persecuted all the Christians who were following Jesus and he had that Holy Spirit throw him down on the road and make him unable to see until he understood. This was the Holy Spirit. This was God's Son. And then we read later on through all the stories that Paul told in in Acts and throughout his letters to the early church about how the Holy Spirit would come to them and would lead them and guide them and teach them and remind them. There was that day that day at Pentecost, which we celebrate usually in June in the church. We call it the birthday of the church. When after Jesus had lived and died, been crucified on the cross, had been put in the tomb, had risen again, had appeared to the disciples to let them know that he indeed had risen and then ascended into heaven, saying, as we read today, I will think God the Father will send the Holy Spirit to be with you. And the the, uh, disciples were gathered in that room trying to decide how are we going to carry on this mission and teach the world about Jesus Christ. When a rush of wind came and a fire appeared and settled above the the, uh, heads of not only the disciples but the others in the room, the Holy Spirit entered those people at that time. And the Bible tells us in Acts that 3,000 people believed that day the birth of the church. Fast forward about 1,700 years to a little place in England where there was an Anglican minister who, with his wife, had um, parented 15 children. And the 12th of one of them was a young man named John, John Wesley, a very religious and gifted and dedicated young man who felt the call of God through the Holy Spirit to come to America 
to the colony at that time of Georgia and bring his brother Charles with him and begin to spread the good news of the gospel in the United States. God was at work in his life, but at that time, our church history tells us that John Wesley was not really convicted by the Holy Spirit. And so when he got to America, his sermons were more about spiritual discipline and how we must do this and that and the other if we are uh, Christians. You know what happened? He didn't do so well (laughs) on that trip. And a couple of years later, he returned to England a bit dejected because he had said when he came on that boat, I'm going to the colonies because I hope to find rest for my soul in the process of preaching to the heathens, (laughs) the Indians and the colonists. But he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. But as God works, as God would have it, on that same ship were a group of Moravians, and they got hold of John Wesley. And they began to talk to him about the fire and the spirit. And when he returned, when they all returned to London, they invited him to come one night to one of their meetings. And it was at a little church on Aldersgate Street. And it was there that John Wesley says, In the midst of that people, I felt my heart strangely warmed. And I began to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. And at that time, he was then able to to equip and lead not only the people in England, but to send, to ordain and send other preachers to the United States at the time, which is a colony in Georgia. And those people who he had equipped and ordained traveled on horseback across the colonies, preaching in houses, buildings, um, fields, wherever they could to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, to teach the story of Jesus, and to remind people of the sacrifices and forgiveness of sins, not so much as John Wesley had tried to do through, through practicing spiritual discipline, but through grace and love and forgiveness and all of those things that the Holy Spirit Um, does for us, teaches us. Fast forward. 2000, no, 1800, 100 years ago, 1900, on the corner of Hughes and Chatham Street in Apex, North Carolina, one of those little churches that was founded by a traveling um, United Methodist person, minister, was created, and in this place, today, the Holy Spirit shows up. It reminds us of the story of Jesus Christ. It teaches us. It lets us know that our sins are forgiven, and it convicts us if we listen. It convicts us to know that God uses each of us each of us, 
just like the disciples, to spread the good news and the love and the joy and the forgiveness and the commitment and the plans of God, not only for us but for the world. How do we know? (laughs) Why do we believe? Well, we believe because of Scripture and the experiences that we have. And we know that the things that we believe that we will uh, repeat again soon in the Apostles' Creed are the things that have been foundations of the whole Christian faith for years and years and years. That's why we believe. How do we know? (laughs) How do we know that the voices that we hear are the Holy Spirit? and not the voices of the world. There are so many voices in this world, aren't there? Paul tells us in Ephesians that there is a voice, a ruler of the atmosphere. (laughs) And we see that so much today when we listen to the news, when we see what's going on in the world, all those voices making us feel like sometimes that this is a pretty rotten place to live, (laughs) right? And yet we hear those things so often, and it's so hard for us to hear that one still, small voice. But the voice is there. And so how do we know? How do we hear? How do we listen for that voice? Well, there are a number of ways that we do that. We study Scripture. There are lots of different ways to study Scripture. You can read by yourself and ask the Lord to open what message he has for you. You can be in a Bible study, of which there are many in this place. And I think over the years, as as Tim has been here and I have been here, you've heard us talk about the ways that even Disciple Bible Study began us on the path to, to ministry. That Holy Spirit works in many ways. You might have heard me at some time talk about this table and how after Disciple Bible Study one day um, I was challenged to um, by a lay leadership training thing that I really didn't want to go to, but Janet Portzer talked me into it. Um, and so our task that night was to uh, come the next morning having spent some time listening to the voice of God. And uh, so I came here that morning, and I knelt down before this um, altar. Then this, this area was much smaller than then than it is now, but this table was here. And I kept asking God, show me something. If you want me to do this leadership thing, this um, lay leadership, nothing. <laughs> nothing. And so after a while, I decided to just get up. But when I looked up, for some reason, I couldn't get my eyes off that table. And I just kind of looked at it for a while. And all of a sudden, those words came to my conscience. This do in remembrance of me. The beginning of a long journey that... um, was painful at times, and God makes it painful for us at times. But the Holy Spirit, if we listen, 
will guide us in the way that God would have us go. Um, you have stories. This week, as I was preparing for this, uh, this morning, I cannot tell you how many times the Holy Spirit showed up in examples of people around me. A person who had been going through a lot of turmoil about some worldly thing and was just on her last leg and felt like there was no answer and getting so frustrated. And all of a sudden, on the Wednesday of this week, things started lining up. The Holy Spirit. A woman who told me that that uh, this week she went to her Bible study out of this church and um, felt like she needed to go to another Bible study and just went so full of being distraught about something in her life. And how at that Bible study she decided to go to the altar and there she was able to lay that burden down and to leave there in peace. The Holy Spirit. Over and over again, the Holy Spirit shows up. There's another way that if you aren't familiar with it, you might want to try in studying the scripture and waiting to hear about uh, the Holy Spirit showing up. There's a kind of prayer called contemplative prayer, and there are a number of ways to uh, learn about that, but one of the best ways, if you're interested in hearing more about it and experiencing it, is that on Wednesday nights from 6.30 till about 8 o'clock in DC 409, Bill Kempfer and some of the other members of our church gather together and they choose a scripture and they read it and they listen and they read it again and they listen. And each person will pick out words or themes in that scripture that speak to them and maybe they don't speak to everybody in the same way. But it's an opportunity to truly learn to be still and listen. It's a wonderful way to be in the scriptures. And so I invite you, if you're interested, to do that. If you look over here and you see this as an example of one of the many works of art through which the Holy Spirit speaks, this morning when we have the children's sermon, I'm going to take them over there and I'm going to invite them to look at Jesus carrying the lamb, and I'm going to tell them a little bit about the story, but then I'm going to ask them, what do you see in that story? What is the lesson that you learn? You could come in this church any day and go to window after window after window and spend some time and just wait and listen for what the Holy Spirit says to you another way. This uh, Wednesday, over at the peak, our sister campus from about... 7 to 8, or 6 to 8, 6 to 8, I think, um, there will be a prayer labyrinth. If you've never participated in a prayer labyrinth before, it's a pattern laid out on the floor where you travel. There's only one way in and one way out, but you travel around and you eventually end in the center where you meet God face to face if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you travel back out, and it's a beautiful way to experience um, the Holy Spirit. So you're all invited to do that. So many ways to hear the Holy Spirit. There are voices in the air. There is an atmosphere between heaven and earth. 
and it is full of voices. But the voice of the Holy Spirit continues. If you don't answer the first time or the second time or the third time or fourth, the Holy Spirit is going to keep on. But you know what? Somebody said that the Holy Spirit is like a gentleman. He doesn't insist. (laughs) He doesn't push. He doesn't force. But he keeps on asking. And he keeps on trying to guide us in the way he would have us to go. Listen. Listen. Let's all stand now and proclaim together what we believe in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.